Good morning, dear Sangha. Today we speak uh, English. Today is uh, March the 10th, 2013, and we are in the Stillwater Meditation Hall, Upper Hamlet, Plum Village. How many will uh, listen to Thai directly in English? Majority. There will be about uh, 600 people coming for the French retreat in a few days. And Sister Hai Nghiem has proposed uh, some uh, subjects, themes of, uh, of uh, teaching and practice. First is um, the wonder is possible. Happiness is possible. The second is uh, la guérison c'est possible. The healing is possible. Because many people need uh, healing. Most of the people who come here need, need healing. And then uh, weave our profounder how to live more deeply our life. And then another idea is Ruvendiya Kala Maison, coming home. Do not wander anymore. Go home. And that is also an important uh, uh, issue. Practice. And then, la rivière de la Sangha, go as a river, not as a, a drop of water. This is very important for, for the practice. Uh, we cannot practice unless we have a Sangha, and with the Sangha we have to go as a river. So not only the, the people who come for the retreat, they need that, but we also who stay permanently, permanently in Plumlis, we also need these uh, practices. And uh, the friends who are going to come, who are, who are coming, uh, they will also participate in uh, uh, arranging uh, the retreats. They will help with uh, the cooking, the washing, the cleaning, and everything. So many people uh, love to be uh, to share the work of the sangha in uh, during the retreat. So uh, we should uh, be able to show them how to uh, cook, to clean, to wash uh, uh, peacefully, happily, because that is a part of uh, the practice of the learning. And we should uh, set an example because we are permanent residents in, uh, in the practice center. They will give, uh, they will give uh, three Dhamma talks 
in uh, French, and maybe two, uh, maybe one of them is um, question and answer. So there will be three times when we gather all together in one hamlet. And on the other days, uh, we stay in our own hamlet with our uh, separate Dharma talks and Dharma discussions and so on. And after the French retreat, I and a number of uh, monastics will have to fly to Asia. We have a Thai schedule in South Korea, in Hong Kong, and in Thailand. Because people over there, they want to make the most <laughs> of, of their visit. We know that the practice of plum uh, can be can be uh, can be seen in two points. The first point is how to recognize the suffering and embrace it and transform it. And that is an art because life involves suffering and happiness. We cannot avoid suffering. So we have to accept suffering. We have to learn how to suffer. <coughs> if we know how to suffer, we will suffer less, much less. And we will learn a lot from our suffering. And we can, we know how to make use make good use of the suffering in order to create happiness. And the way we grow lotus flower. In order to grow lotus flowers, we need the mud. So suffering is a kind of mud that we need in order to generate the feeling of joy and happiness. So the first point, the first aspect of the practice is how to recognize suffering and uh, to embrace it and to transform it. And we speak of the art of suffering. It seems that His Holiness, the Dalai Lama, has written a book with the title, The Art of uh, Happiness. We need a book, The Art of Suffering. We need we have to learn how to suffer. Because we know that if we know how to suffer, we suffer much less. And we can learn from our suffering and make good use, good use of our suffering. 
and as uh, true practitioners, we know that, and we have our own experiences as how to suffer. We have to learn how to suffer. That is an art. We have to be able to smile to our suffering with peace. Like we smile to the mud <coughs> when we know that uh, we had to make good use of the mud to grow lotus flower. There are big blocks of suffering. La souffrance en masse. But there are what we call the uh, petite misère, the little, the little sufferings. How to handle the little sufferings? And if we know how to handle the little sufferings, we don't have to suffer. Well, there are daily things. Les petites misères de la, uh, de la vie quotidienne. And we know how to, how to handle these uh, little moments of suffering. And we should be able to, to share our practice with the people who come to us. So we are not afraid of these uh, little uh, miseries, little sufferings, because we know how to handle them. They are part of our daily life. And then when suffering has become uh, a block, we should know how to recognize it, how to embrace it, and especially how to make good use of the collective energy of the Sangha in order to embrace it. As uh, a new, as a new practitioner, as a new person in the practice, uh, we might not be able to embrace our suffering because our mindfulness is not still uh, vigorous enough, powerful enough. So with the Sangha, we can borrow, borrow the collective energy of mindfulness of uh, the Sangha in order to recognize and embrace the block of suffering in us. That suffering may have transmitted to us by our father, our mother, our ancestors. And uh, if we know how to recognize, embrace, and transform it, we do it uh, for our father, our mother, our ancestors. It's very kind of us to be able to do that for our parents, for our ancestors, and not to transmit it to our children <coughs> and their children. The end of samsara.
Many people uh, who have read about uh, the practice of plumless and hear about the peace, the energy of brotherhood, sisterhood. And when they come to Plum Village and they actually sit with us and walk with us, they feel that that energy, the collective energy, is something very real and not just something people talk about. And when you allow yourself to be embraced by that collective energy of mindfulness and peace, you feel much better. You feel that your suffering is begin, beginning to transform. <coughs> so taking refuge in the Sangha is a very crucial <coughs> practice. Monks, nuns, lay practitioners sitting together, they come in face and the energy of mindfulness uh, can be powerful. And if we know how to sit among them, how to allow the collective energy of mindfulness to embrace our suffering, and then we are like a drop of water flowing in a river, and we feel much better. We may not have to do anything. We just allowed ourselves to be embraced allowed our suffering to be embraced by the collective energy of the Sangha. And that is the greatest gift that the Sangha can make to the people who come. Of course, uh, we have, we have to prepare many things for a retreat. We can do many things. Uh, we can uh, clean, we can uh, wash, we can uh, cook, we can do many things for the retreats. We can serve the people. We can help them. But uh, the best thing we can give them, the most precious thing we can give them, give them is not our labor, our, our heart, our, our, our work. The best thing that we can provide them, help them, is our collective energy of mindfulness and peace. And that is why during sitting meditation, working meditation, we should try our best to be present because that collective energy will help calm them down, help embrace their suffering, so that they can walk, they can sit, they can breathe also, because many of them just cannot breathe, just cannot walk, just cannot sit. And with that collective energy of mindfulness and peace that we have as a Sangha, we can we can give them a chance so that they can they can breathe, they can walk, and they can sit. This is the this is the best thing we can we can offer them as a sangha. So it's not hard labor that is the best thing we can provide, but that uh, the energy of peace and joy and brotherhood. <coughs>
the people who are coming, they are lucky because they are capable of arranging that they have uh, a week to spend with us. And many other people, they like it, they want it, but they cannot arrange. They do not have uh, time, they do not have money. So those who can come this, uh, uh, this time, they are lucky enough to have uh, seven days to be with the Sangha. And uh, we should be aware of that. And we should uh, try our best in order to give them a chance for transformation and healing. And Thay is going to tell them in the first retreat that healing is possible right in the retreat. Not after the retreat, but right during the retreat. Because if they follow the instructions to breathe, to sit and to walk, and healing is possible with every step. Healing is possible with every breath. And this is the truth. There is no way to healing. Healing is the way. And you should tell them that in order to heal, they have to stop. If they don't stop, there is no hope to heal. They have not healed because they could not, they have not stopped. So the five mindfulness trainings is a very important teaching. The five mindfulness trainings is uh, to stop the kind of action, the kind of thinking that can create uh, ill-being, sickness. The five mindfulness trainings are also the kind of thinking and acting that have the power to heal. So without the five five mindfulness trainings, healing is not possible. (coughs) And stopping is very important. Stop and heal. That is also the theme that we offer to uh, the teaching tour in uh, South Korea. (coughs) If we know how to stop, and then healing can take place right away with every step, every breath, and so on. So we should be able to convince them to stop. To stop whatever they are doing that can lead to suffering, to anger, to despair. And they will know what to stop in order to heal. And we will tell them how 
and we be able to stop and to start healing. We have to share our experience with us. The moment when you decide to stop, you feel very light. You feel the healing taking place right away. And that is a great moment, the determination to stop. And then we go tell them that uh, it is possible to create uh, moments of happiness in our daily life. There are uh, a small happinesses that we can create at any moment of our daily life. That is an art also. The art of happiness. Whether you drink a cup of tea, or take a walk, or just sit down and look, you can create happiness during that time. A little bit, the ingredients that you need in order to create a moment of happiness can be recognized. And we know that uh, mindfulness is a source of joy a source of happiness. Uh, People complain that uh, they do not have happiness. And we should be able to tell them that they have conditions to be happy and help them to recognize these conditions of happiness that they do have. The cherry blossoms are there. But uh, they are not capable of contemplating, enjoying the cherry blossoms. The sunshine is there. Spring is coming. All these things are wonders of life, and yet they are caught in something. They are not capable of uh, recognizing these um, these uh, conditions of happiness. They have uh, a body, and yet they do not have access to their body. It's funny. You have a body, but you do not have access to your body. You cannot go home to your body. You cannot touch your body and say, this is my body, (coughs) because they don't have mindfulness. When they spend three hours with their computer, they completely forget that they have a body. They stay in a world of uh, Unreal world. And that is why uh, in Plum Lake, all our brothers and sisters um, 
like to program a bell of mindfulness in the computer so that from time to time we are reminded to stop and go back to our body and breathe in using the mindfulness of breathing in order to recognize our body and get in touch with it. Maybe our body is calling us but we, we, we don't hear. Our body needs us, but you don't need, we don't hear. And then if we can get in touch with our body, we can get in touch with our feelings also. There are many feelings calling us, suffering. It's like a child calling us, a suffering child is calling us. But we ignore the voice of the child within. Because every feeling is a child. So mindfulness help us to be get in touch not only with the suffering in order for us to embrace and transform. Mindfulness also help us to to touch the wonders of life, including our body. And then breathing in can be can be can be a delight. And breathing out can be a delight. You enjoy your breathing. Just visualize a monk sitting on the grass. He does not do anything, he just breathes in and enjoy his in-breath. He's free. He's free from worries, from anger, from craving. And he is capable of getting in touch with his body, with the blue sky, with the green color, uh, with spring coming. So we should be able to do that in order to remind the people who are coming that they can also create moments of happiness. Le petit bonheur de chaque jour. Learn how to enjoy. Learn how to savor the little happinesses in our daily life. And that is possible. Many talented people, they can get a diploma, they can invent a new uh, machine, they can do many things. We will ask them, can you create a moment of happiness? 
Can you make use of your body? Can you make use of your in-breath? Can you make use of your mindfulness in order to create a moment of happiness, a feeling of happiness? The way we, the way we make a soup, in order to make a soup, we need some water, some vegetable, some tofu, and so on. And most of us are able to make a good soup. So, empty bonheur, a little happiness, is like that. It's like a soup. And with some ingredients, we are capable of making a moment of happiness for us and for the other person. You can offer some of your soup to the other person. If you know how to invent to create a moment of happiness, you enjoy that happiness, and you can offer that to the other person. So that is an art, the art of uh, happiness. You have to learn to enjoy and, and to fabricate these uh, feelings of uh, joy and happiness in our daily life. Faut apprendre à savourer les petits bonheurs. To learn how to savor the little happinesses in our daily life and to create them. And we know how to stop uh, the non-stop uh, thinking radio, <coughs> NST, in order to, to do so. If you, can, you allow the radio inside to continue, and then you cannot do anything. Because there is uh, always that mental discourse going on <coughs> day and night in your head. You think of uh, the past, you invoke the past, you are afraid of the future, and the thinking goes on. And it takes uh, away all space in you. You have no time to live your life. So it's very important to stop the radio inside, the non-stop NST, non-stop thinking. Because that is the practice of uh, rumination. We, we eat and we chew again and again our suffering, 
are worries and that's not good for your health. So it should be able to help them to not to continue to eat their own consciousness. That is about the, the fourth nutriment, consciousness as food. In our consciousness there are suffering, regret, sorrow, and uh, <clears throat> we have the, the habit of uh, bringing them up again from the depth of our consciousness and chew and eat them again and again and again. That is not healthy, a healthy kind of food. So stopping the mental discourse is very important in the practice. It's funny that um, in Plum Village, <laughs> not only we don't uh, drink alcohol, uh, eat meat, but we advise not to talk and not to think. Uh, because why walking, if we, we talk or think, uh, we allow that radio to continue, and we are victim. We are victim of the past and of the future, of our worries. We are not living our life. In order to be able to live our life, we have to stop that radio inside. The discourse anterior. And then, how can you enjoy your steps if you allow the radio to continue? And that is why it's very important to stop the radio inside. To feel rather than to think. When we touch the, the ground with our foot, we should be able to feel. And the feeling can bring insight. We are concentrated on that feeling. I am touching Mother Earth with my left foot. And in no time at all, you touch all the wonders of life that are available during the time you touch uh, the ground with your left foot. And you have a feeling, a wonderful feeling of joy, of uh, well-being. And by doing so, you can stop the thinking. Stop the thinking in order to do that, to do that in order to stop the thinking. So to feel rather than to think is our practice. To feel your body, to be aware of each feelings, to embrace them, and that is our practice. And the healing is possible. And we provide ourselves with the kind of healthy food. We do not chew again and again our sorrow, our fear, our anger, which is not good for our health. But we begin to get the kind of uh, healthy, sane food that we deserve. And the Sangha around us is there to remind us of our practice.
So he learned how to to walk joyfully and happily. Walking meditation is not a hard labor. It's not a duty that we have to perform. That is an opportunity to create moments of happiness. That is an a good opportunity to create moments of happiness and to to heal walking meditation. Whether you walk with the Sangha or you walk alone. Walking with the Sangha you inherit, you profit from the collective uh, energy of the Sangha. And walking alone you radiate the energy of peace and mindfulness, and you remind people to work like you. And uh, any moment of practice can heal and to help heal other people. Not only to heal yourself, but to help heal other people. It's very pleasant to see a brother or a sister walking mindfully and happily on the campus. That is very nourishing and healing. So whether you walk with the Sangha or you walk alone, your steps are very important for us. And the people who come to us, when they see us walking like that, they have faith in the practice, in the Dharma. When we have lunch, when we eat, there must be a way of eating in order for every moment of uh, the meal can be healing, can be nourishing. We do not only get the nutriment from the food, but from the Sangha. Because together, Sitting together and eating, we generate the energy of mindfulness, collective energy of mindfulness and brotherhood. And that is very healthy. That is very healing. So eating like that, you stop the thinking. And you become aware of members of the Sangha around you. Everyone is generating the energy of peace, brotherhood. That is healing. That is good food. So eating together is a practice. It's not hard labor. It's not a duty to perform. Also, sitting meditation. Sitting meditation is an opportunity to heal, to create moments of joy also. And not uh, a moment when you have to be there, and waiting for the bell to sound, announcing the end of the, of the sitting. No, that would be a waste. Say the, the gaspillage. It's very, very rare, very precious moments. People in the world, they don't have the time to sit and do nothing like that. 
we consider it to be uneconomic, luxury. Time is money. But we know that sitting can be very healing. <coughs> so we have to learn how to enjoy every moment of our sitting. How to breathe, how to sit, so that every moment of sitting can be nourishing and healing. And if we know that, that the schedule is made by ourselves and not imposed on us by a political party or by the king. It is the Sangha who has created the schedule so that we can make good use of the schedule schedule in a, for our transformation and healing. The schedule is not imposed on us by anyone, including time. The schedule has been designed by the whole Sangha so that everyone has an equal chance to transform and to heal. So we should not complain that the schedule is too tight. Only beginners need a tight schedule. <laughs> that is the raison d'etre of a practitioner to have a schedule. And we know that doing with the Sangha, doing together with the Sangha, is better, it's easier, it's more pleasant. So the bell and the Sangha coming to the sitting is helping us. It's a great help that everyone is going to the sitting. So we are going to the sitting. That is something very natural. We don't have to make any effort. And uh, it is said in the many sutras that the Dharma is lovely, is pleasant, in the beginning, in the middle, at the end. So every minute of the practice should be pleasant, should be healing and transforming.
do so. 